Welcome to part two of our grunge episode with special guest Ryan Schaff from the Broken Record Player podcast. We are talking the underrated band for the grunge theme and we've picked L7. Very interesting band and despite, let's say, differing opinions of some of the people on how, how good they are, I think we all agreed that definitely sexism was in play uh, and one of the reasons why they are definitely an underrated band and uh, should be better known, especially as grunge pioneers, although they inspired a lot of other people and have a huge sonic range. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Urbachettes. Ryan, I hope you're not feeling too bruised after our encounter with Pearl Gem as as we head into the next section. No, and you know what? I'm used to hearing people not like Pearl Gem. I've oh okay. You know, so I mean, I remember being in the car with a friend and and they were talking. My friends were talking about Pearl Gem. Like, yeah, I can't stand Eddie's voice. Like, and they were making fun of his voice and everything. I was like, you know, that's okay. You know, everyone has their taste. I like bands that get ridiculed all the time like ghost and stuff so i don't but yes l7 is a very different band from mm-hmm. pearl jam and this is why i think that the grunge label is so hard to really pin down because it's like l7 is called grunge pearl jam's called grunge they sound nothing alike really i mean you listen to l7 and it sounds like you're listening to a punk rock band a lot of the time Mm-hmm. and that's sort of the diversity of grunge as you get all these different types of artists and for me l7 i'm going to be honest they're a band that i'm a late comer to like i i probably started listening to them pretty significantly only a few years ago and so i never really got into them until fairly recently and I had always heard that song pretend we're dead. Like I knew that song. Now it's a very famous song, but I had never heard anything else. And it was when I heard the song shit list that I was like, Oh, cool. I love this song. And so I got really into them and started buying up a lot of their stuff. And then I was like, this has like a Nirvana vibe to it. It's got a very, I mean, I could, I, you could tell Kurt Cobain was probably a fan. And, and then you find out, Oh wait, Butch, Butch Vig is on bricks are heavy and all this stuff. Okay. So it really, it really adds up and everything, but yeah, I just, I like the attitude with L7. I like the, you should call it snotty sort of bratty, like, yeah, definitely. bratty attitude. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about it that's interesting is the whole label of Riot Girl, which they're associated with. And I was thinking about it more and I was actually reading an article that PJ Harvey was featured in. She talked about the label Riot Girl because she was labeled Riot Girl too. And she hated it. And she talked about how she hates the term Riot Girl. She feels it was, she felt it was demeaning. And it felt like Riot Girl was just a way to say, well, these are girls who play rock. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what does that mean? Like, there's no real sound to Riot Girl. It's just girls who play rock. Mm-hmm. And PJ Harvey's like, no, I'm not a girl who plays rock. I play rock. Like I happen to be a, a girl. Yeah. And I happen to be a girl. And so she didn't like the label. And I totally get that. I'm not a really big fan of that whole label either, because it's just like it takes away, I think, from sort of the talent of some of these artists. Like put L7 up there with Nirvana and all the other grunge bands, but don't 
don't separate them like oh they're riot girl you know Mm -hmm. so um but yeah i i think they just rock there's not there's not too much like um like with pearl gem you had slow slow down moments where it's like okay let's take this in l7's like firing on all cylinders they're just like nah fuck that we're just gonna be in your face and you deal with it we're four women who rock and deal with it Mm-hmm. and you may not like what we say but we don't care and that to me is such a punk rock attitude which i love and then mix it in with some heavy sometimes grungy guitar and you get l7 which i think is i i love it i think it's i think it's very catchy and yeah i love it i was gonna add like um as a, a stern documentary watcher um yeah that was <laughs> the question they got asked the most is like are you a bit like the Go-Go's, but heavier? Mm. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, and, and when, I was a, when I was a kid, like in the 90s, like any indie band who had a female singer, are you like Blondie? It's like, um, what? <laughs> like, I mean, they are, you can hear more than just a vocal to, you know, to link someone to. So yeah, it, it's just lazy. And I felt mm. sorry for them in, in all their MTV interviews in the early 90s, they got asked about, oh, you're, you're all girls. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> It's like, yeah, okay. And they can play music. You don't say, oh, pole jam, you've all got dicks. (laughs) Could I just ask a question real quick? Did L7 ever, did you ever hear them in the UK? Like, were they ever, oh, they were. Yeah, I think I I know what you're going to say, Fran, but yeah, yeah, you say it. I watched it live. So um, famously, there's a, a program in the 90s called The Word, which was like uh, when people come home from the pub on a Friday night, they put this show on and it was live. It would be like, you know, you could swear on it. All of the presenters were like, cool. You know, it'd have like people doing anything to be famous by like licking armpits. And you'd have like, and at the end, they'd have a band. Like I think Oasis and Supergrass would have, their first ever live TV show was The Word. And then famously, L7 appeared on The Word and they had a segment where they're looking at guys' bums to see who had the best bum. Oh, this is not the story I thought you were going to tell. So because of that, um, I think, yeah, the, the, the bassist decided to just take off her entire dress and she walk around completely bottomless with, you know, yeah. with, with Fanny out and a cameraman right behind her, her ass. And I saw mm-hmm. that on TV. So, I mean, you're not going to forget that. I mean, I can't remember any of the music, but I remember seeing that. And that, unfortunately, LV, L7 in the UK are famous for two incidents. The Word yeah. and Reading Festival, when yeah. people were throwing mud at them so much that is it um, Donica? Denise box. Yeah, she pulled mm-hmm. out her, her tampon and then threw it at the crowd. <laughs> So sadly, I don't remember any music at all. I just remember those two incidents. Uh, exactly. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you, if you finished, Fran, but that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. So before I listened to L7, yeah, I'd forgotten about the Fanny on the words. Uh, I knew, I remembered, well, I remembered hearing about the tampons at Reading 1992, um, where she, not only did she <laughs> take it out and throw it, she said, eat my tampon, fuckers. <laughs> which I think is, and watch out for tuberculosis, which yeah, really, really made me laugh. Yeah, so I, I feel like L7 were one of those bands that if you watched any kind of BBC music documentary about, yeah, the 90s, that's the breath in which they would get mentioned. I knew nothing about their music, just that they were, yeah, whoa, like out there women. And that was it. 
And I only got into them when I realized that Fuel My Fire by The Prodigy wasn't by The Prodigy. It was a cover version. So Fuel My Fire is on um, The Fat of the Land, the, the seminal Prodigy album. And yeah, I was really surprised that it was at L7. And that's that's how I got in there. So I listened to, to Bricks Are Heavy and then um, Hungry for Stink. They're, they're the two albums that I listened to. And I, I really liked them, I think. You know, it is, it's funny. I, I've thought about this a lot. It's funny what you say about like, it's so frustrating when women are categorized, categorized as women, like women in a genre, because I think on the one hand, I am absolutely one of those people who will seek out like women in grunge or, you know, black artists in punk. Uh, because very often when you do go on those lists of kind of underrated people, you find a treasure trove of things and which makes you realize like, why, why aren't these artists more famous? And L7 should absolutely be more famous given how much they sound like Nirvana and other people. But yeah, on the other hand, it's, it's very frustrating when that's the only way that you're categorized because also one thing that really annoys me is with those lists that it's like the best female guitarist and it's like, it should be the best guitarists, you know, because often when you have the best guitarists, there aren't many women and very often it's because people see them as the best female guitarist because obviously, obviously the men are better. So yeah, I, I'm sorry to hear Fran that, yeah, they, that's, that's what they had to do. And yeah, I, I didn't know about this documentary and I, I have bookmarked it for later. So, so yeah, Ryan, I, I knew L7, I liked L7. So I knew I was going to enjoy this list and I was hoping, yeah, to, to kind of have a bit of a surprise. And I, I did really, because um, there were a few songs from, from the, is it their second album, Smell the Magic? Mm-hmm. Uh, which yeah. which I didn't know. And yeah, I was kind of hoping that you guys had done more research on them because yeah, I, you know, I, I knew those stories and, and that was it. And, um, you know, and now I'm really keen to go and find out more. Awesome. Yeah, the playlist, again, similar to Pearl Jam, I wanted to make it as if I was there at mm. a concert. The thing with L7 though is they... I mean, a lot of their songs have the same kind of vibe. And so it's hard to really, it was harder to make this playlist flow because I was like, well, this is pretty much, the flow is pretty much going to be the same no matter what order I put it in. Whereas Pearl Jam, it was a little bit more like a conscious effort where it's like, okay, this is slow to, to more melodic and, or fast to more melodic and then back to fast. And then with a great ender, you know, with Jeremy, but um, L7 was more like, okay, well, I, I'm going to put these in a certain order, but you can maybe flip the order and it would still be fine. Um, but yeah, the, the playlist here was, I wanted to focus a lot on, obviously bricks are heavy. That's my favorite, but smell the magic is also, I think a really good record. One of the early records. And it's one that is definitely more raw, more punky than some of their later stuff. So, and there's a certain point when L7 just, I don't know, like their later stuff I'm not as big into. It's mm-hmm. uh, like Slap Happy and uh, I forget the last album they put out, but those two I'm not as keen on. It, for me, it's early L7 all the way up to uh, Hungry for Stink. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't realized that they'd reformed and released again recent albums. Totally passed by, but yeah, it maybe sounds like um, I, if I check them out, it's with the, with the content warning or something because it sounds different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, they went from a major label to them doing it themselves. So they're going to sound a bit more, you know, I guess when you're paying for like these big producers, 
it's going to be hard to be able to, you know, copy something like Britsvig, isn't it? We say also, right. I guess that's going to be yeah. some point. And also, that like half the band are left by their last album, haven't they? So, yeah. And then, yeah, then they came back. But, but yeah, I just, I don't know. L7 to me is one of those bands that just doesn't get the credit that they deserve. And even if, you know, like they're, they're not everyone's cup of tea, at least they're, they should be recognized as mm-hmm. as being influential in the rock landscape and especially in the grunge scene and yes I, I mean some of the biggest artists of grunge looked at them and were inspired by them so like their their influences on some of the the who they influenced definitely comes through in some of the songs and i'm sure we'll get into it um yeah yeah underrated broomstick is where i started off and i think Broomstick is one of their no more known tracks, maybe not one of their hits, but I mean, I got to be honest, I was intrigued by the title because it obviously makes me think of a witch. And mm-hmm. I think that's what they're going for is they're trying, because like witches have been historically any, like people would just think like, oh, a woman is independent. She must be a witch, you know, like, or a woman is, is not married and she hasn't had kids like in the 1600s, at least in the states like well they weren't the states then but in the colonies it would have been like why aren't you married why don't you have kids what black magic are you playing with you know so i think like broomstick is a perfect title and um talking about how she, you know she's like i got my broomstick and uh my paperback too you know and just kind of like it, it's i don't know i just love it and it's a catchy song like most of their songs are and I love the line, I ain't gonna grovel. You know, it's like, okay, they're they're really sticking it to people saying this is hey, like us or hate us, this is how we're gonna be. And you know, basically flipping everyone off with this song, like we're not gonna bow down to you, you know. Absolutely. Uh I think this is a great opener to to the playlist. Dirty bass at the beginning, which which I, I love. Love the way she screams. I love the way that she specifies got my paperback novel as well. I'm like, what? What is she trying to say? <laughs> I mean, I guess you know, maybe maybe they needed a few more syllables. Um, but yeah, it it does. It is very evocative, and a lot of the lyrics are extremely evocative. I'm not a very visual person. This is maybe why I don't watch as many documentaries. I'm definitely more of like a an audio textual. But it just like, yeah, I don't know. I see like a woman with a broomstick, I don't know, by a swimming pool or something being like, yeah, fuck you. And I'm just living my life and, and doing my thing. Yeah, no, I, I really love this song. And um, I hadn't heard it before because it's from Smell the Magic, which I haven't heard. And absolutely, I will, I want to go and check it out because yeah, it's it's really good. Fran? <laughs> so I think it can depend on who is singing. Because obviously there's three vocalists in the band, isn't there? And I had to keep checking who was singing the lead. And I think this is Susie. Yeah. And right. Susie has her own unique style of singing, which I don't particularly like Susie. And uh, yes, I get the witch vibes, but do I want to hear a witch sing? No. Um, <laughs> I think it has been influenced by the Stooges. I think they sound like they're a big influence on their early work because unlike Pearl Jam, like they were going a long time before they were grunge 
like is yeah, so like I think it's like going from the mid '80s, and they were touring with a lot of like '80s bands before they even you know recorded their debut album. So I think it's the this is the second album, the first and the major, isn't it? Um, so yeah, so I mean, can it be called a grunge band when you've had two albums before grunge even was a thing? Um, yeah, I think they, they said themselves that they wanted to be Motorhead, and you can hear that. <laughs> on this yeah. album I mean the sound is yeah it's, it's more motorhead um than you know the pixies or you know bands that um influenced uh, the, the grunge scene but yeah um not for me yeah I it, I think it is personal preference because I, I I I'm glad you took the the due the due diligence and the care to see who was singing what because I didn't and it seems that they are quite a collaborative band in all respects you know when you look at who's written the songs it seems like it's been divided up which i think is super interesting that they they managed to do that and stay together for a few albums at least i i love the way she screams absolutely love it wish there was more of it i mean it sampled yoko ono screaming on one in, of them yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in orgasm which i don't think is on this list yeah it's not but i don't i'm not a yoko fan uh at all her screams terrify me i like i i would like to hear a witch sing and so like i like witches and i want to hear witches sing yoko is something else yoko i just side note i have a friend who's in the the military and he said in training he had to do for the military uh they would put him in like a a confined space in the dark and simulate torture tactics on him and they would play yoko ono over and over and over again and he he came out of the, out of that like I never want to hear Yoko Ono ever again, and I'm like, well, I don't want to hear her to begin with. So whatever, you know. But it, yeah, I don't want to hear Yoko Ono screaming. So <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Yoko Ono is one of those where yeah, maybe maybe one for a future episode. I really don't know any of her music, and I only it was only on researching this because I, I, I like yeah, I was thinking oh you know, Wargasm and Feel My Fire, which are two of my favorites, aren't on here, and I I hadn't even realized it was Yoko Ono. Yeah, there we go. I'm happy to not have a uh, Yoko Ono special. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk to myself then. <laughs> okay, next is Everglade. Everglade is one of their big hits. Um, and I think Everglade definitely has a more grungy sound. This is, I think, Bricks Are Heavy is where grunge really does start to become noticeable with them much more because Butch Fig is involved, but also. Um, the punk is still there, but it's definitely balanced with the grunge. And this has a grungy kind of guitar going for it. And I like what it's about. Again, it's about assholes in the pits at concerts and how there's there's always that one person there who's just being a jerk. And you have to deal with that person. And whether it's a person in the pit at a punk or a metal show or just that person who's super tall and they just happen to stand right in front of you and you know that they know they're tall, but they still think they should be at the front of the line anyways. It's just like, you know, every time I've gone to a concert, I've dealt with somebody who I'm like, oh, this person, really? So uh, I think it's about that and just kind of about, um, I don't know if Everglade's like a bouncer or something. I don't know who Everglade is, but they mention Everglade as like being a person almost like, that's what I got out of it. Or is it like a I fictional band? That's what I was thinking. Oh, is that like, what it was? Is, I, I, I didn't just, I did, I did not look up the song meanings for this one. I'm doing it now, literally, actually. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's that's what I would have thought because, 
Because yeah, it says rednecks on parade. Don't cross my line. Says Everglade, Everglade, and that that just makes me think it's like someone being like Everglade. Yeah, wanna rock on? So hmm. that's that's yeah. what I would have thought. That could be that could be too. I I don't know. Like a lot of these songs don't have much to look up. They're not not like Pearl Jam. They haven't sold uh, millions and millions of records and had people interpret all their stuff. So. That's so that's what we're different. gonna do here today, guys. That's what Get we're gonna ready. do here today. <laughs> but when I think of Everglade, the thing that comes to mind is because I'm such an American, is the Everglades <laughs> in Florida. It's like the the alligators and all that stuff. And it's like that's not what this is about. So what is this about? Um, and so I guess, yeah, it could be about a band, but I it has a Nirvana sound to it, and no coincidence. Like I said, Butch Fig is involved. So yeah, I like it. It's a good classic L7 song. Um, so I will straight up and say I like every song on this on this playlist. So and which was which is great. Like I, I I thought I'd like most of them, but no, genuinely I like all of them. Caveat: I think this is actually not one of my favorite L Seven songs. I think there's a good. I like this. I like the long instrumental start. You're like, okay, where's this? Where's this gonna go? The guitars are fantastic, um, but I I think there are better songs on this album than than Everglade personally um but I still I still enjoy it and I will have a think about what on earth it's really about but yeah what about you Fran um so you know you're saying Ryan that this band influenced quite a lot of bands and um I think this sounds like The Offspring no I I wrote down Offspring a lot I did you yeah yeah that Mm -hmm. guitar sound it's like and even how he sings it's a similar sort of vibe to this and I thought Oh, this is the offspring. Basically, this is where they got the sound from. I, I really like the guitar um, sound to this. Again, unfortunately, my least favorite member is singing the vocals. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Hopefully, I can't remember who. See, like you said, Babs, I don't remember who's singing. Is a Susie? I have no idea. Who's singing I, I don't. I've, I've, yeah, I've written down these things. These. Okay. Okay. Hopefully... So, Fra- Frank can inform us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I picked some non-Susie have, songs for you. Friend, got all three. But... Okay. Cool. <laughs> The big hit next, Pretend We're Dead, probably their most famous song. And I mean, it's definitely, I think it's probably the most radio friendly song mm-hmm. they've ever done. And definitely the first one I heard, this interested me. It was supposed to be a love song, but Donita Sparks wrote it about politics instead. And she's writing about the Reagan Bush years and the the line that really stood out to me here is turn the tables with our unity they're neither moral nor majority wake up and smell the coffee or just say no to no to individuality so there's there's a political edge here to this song and you know i just i don't know it's when i first heard it i was like okay this is pretty catchy and and i like it already but every time i hear it i'm just like yeah i it's just a good song. I can't really, there's not too much more to say about it other than it's got a pop sound to it more than their other stuff. It's definitely much more commercial than, than anything you'll hear on their earlier albums and even on hungry for stink. So. Yeah, I broadly agree. You know, it's, it's not surprising that it's the, their biggest song. Uh, I think there's, yeah, this, it sounds so much like Nirvana. I also got elements of REM and B-52s, Fran. I don't, I, you know, maybe because we we did an episode on them, but vocally, definitely, uh, there was something going on there. And The Offspring, that's that's what I wrote for, for this one too. Um, I 
think this is actually my least favorite song on the playlist, maybe because it, it is so poppy and and doesn't sound so much like their other stuff. I, I quite like the way the come on, come on, come on uh, are whispered. And I love the absolutely mad, chaotic ending. But apart from that, yeah, the the lyrics, yeah, they start with what's up with what's going down, which makes me think of Marvin Gaye, what's going on sort of thing. Mm. It's like their, their stamp on what's going on. And, and there's, a, there's a few songs by them that really sound like products of their time when you go in and look at the lyrics and yeah, the fact that they're saying, yeah, just say no to individuality. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going against kind of the, the politics of the time. So that I do enjoy, but like I said, I, I do like this song. It's, it's just that it is my, my least favorite on the playlist. You know, you asked how big they were in, in England. This was a top 20 hit apparently was wow. it? in the UK, which is why they got wow. to play top of the pops. And There's, the, the word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll definitely look to seek that hmm. out. Yeah. So, I don't know how you guys have not seen this, but like this is garbage. Oh, it, like even the though, come on, come on, come on, is <laughs> complete straight man. And Butch Vig, yeah, it's like, oh, okay. So Butch Vig from, oh, surely, you know, L7, let's just do that, but make it a bit more commercial. Literally, I, I cannot, all through this, I keep hearing, oh, garbage. That guitar's garbage. That sounds garbage. But do you think, you think that because you know it's Butch Vig? No, because I heard that before I watched the documentary and found out that Butch Vig had produced it. And I thought, oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I'm bringing that up. That makes, like, see, you brought up the offspring and now garbage. And I'm like, yeah, why didn't I see that before? Butch Vig, you know, obviously worked with, you know, drummer for garbage and everything. So that makes perfect sense. The thing that drives me crazy is, it sounds like garbage offspring Nirvana, yet it didn't commercially even match any of those bands. Exactly. And it's like, why? Like, I mean, they should have been right up there with them. Oh, well, we know why. So, well, attitude. We you know, know like, they, they're not yeah. going to sell. You cannot be brats in, uh, in, in yeah. the 90s, unfortunately. But, and fe- female brats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, are they not playing the game? And if you watch the documentary, they're constantly, you know, setting off fire extinguishers. Like, you know, you mentioned this is a Bush Reagan. They got fans out and put Bush Reagan, um, Martin, them, then beat him up with a fire extinguisher. I mean, you know, I mean, they're doing anything they can to fuck over America. So, of course, they're not <laughs> going to be ma- massive. Even during the grunge times, and it's all about, you know, fuck the power and fighting and being political. But yeah, you can do it with your boys. You can't do it if you're, if you're four girls, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. wrong time, guys. That's wrong time. True. Well, yeah. Well, and the, the next one is quite different, I would say. Very, very yeah. different. Andre. I thought it was Andres at first, well, yeah, but it's. Andre. I think it is. I think it's really? spelt Andres. But they it do is. say Andre. Yes, I think Andre. so. At least yeah. on Spotify, yeah. It, it is spelled Andres, but they, they pronounce it Andre. Yeah. yeah. And this is a heavy, this is a grungy song, sludgy. Mm. And yeah, I, I guess this is about a guy named Andre. The band, apparently this is a true story. The band felt they made a mistake with this guy and they're apologizing to him and from what I read and understand, he forgave them or something. I don't know what happened, but I, I guess this is the backstory. This is one of the few songs that had something more to read about, at least from what I've found. I just love how heavy it is. It's it's less punk. It's definitely more grungy metal. And I think with Hungry for Stink, they were definitely going for a heavier, more sludge sound. Maybe they were inspired by the Melvins, maybe some of that stuff, but it's um yeah it's definitely a different kind of l7 mm-hmm. yeah I, I love this song um i really think this is the song where who, who's singing from 
Mrs. Susie is back. Susie, oh, Susie is back. I, I love Susie. I think she, and again, to carry that on, she sounds like the female Kurt Cobain here. It really, it it is Kurt Cobain with a with a more female voice. I I love it. I the the menacing vocals are delicious. I think, and I I love how it ends again. Like they they're very good at these kind of crazy endings. The guitar is absolutely killer. But yeah, before I I also read the whole. It's about a real person, and they're apologizing. And apparently, he was fine. But I I thought they were killing a man <laughs> when, I, when I first saw the lyrics. It's just like I, you know. There's a guy with long hair. He's really, really nice. But we had a problem. I was like, no, no, L7, don't do it. Don't go to prison. So, so yeah, it's, it's quite funny. Because, I mean, what I read was, again, on song meanings. Like, it wasn't on anything official or an interview that they given. So, like, it just could be a random person making it up. Uh, or I don't know if you read it on, like, a, a more trusted source. But, yeah, I just no. love how it's like, yeah, they, uh, there's a guy called Andre, and uh, that's all good. But, yeah, Fran, imagine you hated this. I mean, I think we've all read the same article regarding the uh, backstory. <laughs> um, all I can add is that I um, read up on L7 and found an article where, um, um, is it, is it, I can't even pronounce it, is it, is it Danita? Danita? Donita? Or Don, or Donita? Donita, Donita. Yeah. yeah, when Donita lists her favourite 10 songs and out of your playlist, this is the only song which she puts in her top 10 of all time. Wow. Which is mm. interesting how she doesn't... Yes, we need to have a talk. I can't really have a talk again, Danita. Do, 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 do. Call us. <laughs> She's probably easier to get in touch with than Eddie Vedder. I'm just gonna. Yeah, I mean, yeah probably. Yeah, this, this needs a little bit more something to it. I think um, they were playing Lollapalooza during this period and had to basically beg to be on the um, on the on the festival tour. And they were on the same time as uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seas, and then became good friends with the band. Because oh. they were, they both felt completely like in the wrong situation. They're both playing mid-afternoon sets, and like we are not daytime band to get saying, to get hang out together and getting drunk. So yeah, and Nick Cave was like dancing away with the band all the time. Oh, that's really cool. It's nice bedfellows. Cool. Um, and then like yeah, basically, I think during this time is when they realised the uh, record label was not on board anymore. <laughs> they could they could find out it was like yeah near the end basically. The video the video budget was uh. Uh, really uh, <laughs> going downhill compared to what it was in the first in the, in the first big album. There's at least two fans here out of the three, so I don't think that's too bad. <laughs> hey, hey, guys! Right, I'm a fan of the band. Yeah. I think they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. Sadly, not on board with their creativity. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> so, um, that's worse than you think. What would they prefer? Me to like them as people or me to like their art? You know, that's the question. So Again, I guess give us a call. <laughs> Fran, do you do you like punk rock? Are you a punk rock fan or no? It depends what I well, we've we've done a punk rock episode. It depends what you mean. So obviously okay. I like UK 70s punk uh-huh. rock. I like the clash, okay. I like the Buzzcocks. I wouldn't say I'm like a fan of like, you know, um Figar- like you no know, Black Flag or you know, that's right. thing. Or or then it's are we then discussing Green Day of a punk rock, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I like I like the seventies classic rock sound, like Ramones and that sort of thing. Um, but okay. I would I don't like the like, I guess the eighties punk rock I'm not a fan of. Okay, because I I feel like they are much more of an eighties sounding. They have that eighties punk more than than that that seventies yeah. yeah punk yeah. for sure. I'm yeah. almost the opposite. Okay. Like I much prefer Fugazi to Ramones. You know, so oh, I think yeah. like a lot of seventies punk still were writing pop songs. 
but like yeah. with a punk sort of like you know uh, master it. Yeah, it's like the Sex Pistols. They're pop songs, aren't they? Really, but you know, with uh, with uh, some fancy dress uh, um, onto it. So I think by the eighties, it became like you know these guys were doing a lot of drugs, living the lifestyle, and, th- and singing about it. It was you know a bit different, a bit darker. Yeah, for for me, punk when ska punk comes into the scene, that's when I start to back to away. When the nine when the nineties ska punk started to really become a thing, I was like, oh, I don't know, punk. That's not I don't know. Didn't didn't jive with that too well. But over underrated. Next song here is another big hit shit list or as they say in it she list you know however they say that um this is the song that made me go okay uh, i like this band and i remember hearing it i think it was at a goth club believe it or not i was at a goth club and they played this and i was like cool like this fits i could tell this isn't a goth band but it somehow fit it had a it had that vibe going that it could be played in a goth club or something like goths could like this and i i saw people dancing to it and i was like oh cool you know this is a good song and i really this is probably one of my favorite songs they've ever done just so full of attitude and i really love the guitars here and i mean i like them on most of their songs but the guitar tone here is great and i think this is one that doesn't have just Susie on vocals i believe it's got donita as well on vocals so maybe that changes things a little bit yeah for Fran, got, Fran. Oh, he's oh no okay he's shaking his head. Because. <laughs> that vibrato really annoys me um yeah i love this. i love i love this song absolutely love this song i need i need this one before because it's from bricks are heavy uh and again not a visual person really visualize this song you know i the lyrics are funny you know there's there's a sense of humor here and just yeah when i get mad i get pissed and i grab my pen and i write out a list of all the people that won't be missed it's it's very simple but i'm like yeah i can see people you know someone doing that almost like uh, someone getting a voodoo doll as well and kind of stabbing them like yeah very very vindictive very bratty very fun love it fun i think it has decent guitar solos in the end like the um but yeah i i, I yeah i, I can <laughs> we can keep going let's go to the very political one here american mm. society i mean obviously you know it's going to be political when you hear that song title and it is and actually the guitar riff here reminds me of Polly uh from nirvana it has a Polly quality to it so if you go back and listen to Polly. I, I mean, it has a very similar sound to it. And both Nevermind and Spell the Magic came out the same year. I think Nevermind came out later, but I don't know if it was any inspiration on Polly, but could have been. But it just has a very similar riff, even though Polly is acoustic and this is electric. But um, yeah, I love, again, love this song. I love the message here. And it's a it's a great anthem for like teens, for punks people who you know are just not going along with the system in america here and don't want to be part of this you know ignorant brainwashed consumer society they're like no forget this and there's no metaphors here this is the thing with l7 i don't really think they believe in that i think they're just (laughs) like let's tell it like it is and you know they just they said what they wanted they weren't afraid to ruffle feathers and i think this is one 
that ruffled some feathers i can only imagine mm, yeah totally like uh yeah so I, I didn't know this one it was an unexpected slow base start um and yeah I, again <laughs> i really like it i like the fact that they sound very droney which i'm sure fran will hate but i think that definitely leads to the message you know we don't want to drown we're fed up that's why we're sounding like robots because we don't want to be like robots and I really like how, yeah, it's a real product of its time of, I don't want to watch television. I don't want to listen to the radio. It's like, well, in today's <laughs> today's life, it's like, I don't know. I don't want to be on my phone. I don't want to, you know, be addicted to TikTok or whatever it is, is, is what it would be now. And as as ever, I really like the way it ends. Um, you know, this is a cover, yeah? Oh, no, I did not know it was a cover. That's what was interesting. Yeah, yeah. This is a <laughs> punk band called Eddie and the Subtitles. Oh, oh that's why it sounds so, so punk, right? Oh, okay. so interesting. Okay, no. So, yeah, I love, I yeah. love how you left that. Wow. Um, <laughs> and what is even more annoying is the person who wrote this is called Mike Patton. Oh, Mike Patton. Oh, yeah, no, but it's not him. Oh. Okay. So he literally started writing down. Wow, Mike. Oh, yeah, it's a completely different person from Mike Patton. Just to uh, confuse everyone. Okay. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I quite like the um, the guitar sounds of this. Um, and yeah, it, it could fit into a, a decent zombie film, I put. But um, yeah, like mm-hmm. a whole American society. But yeah, but yeah, it's interesting that even though this was written in the early 80s, 10 years later, it still fits the bill. Oh, yeah, there, but not now. Like did you listen to the songs. original? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, it's, it's quite similar, to be fair. Obviously, different vocals, but like, yeah, music wise, it's, it's quite similar, to be fair. And like, it's not at all famous. Like, I think um, Jennifer Finch was a big. Um, person in the punk movement in the 80s so i think she was like you know showing off her old old friends and and her influences so i think that's why it became on the album i know she's the vocalist on this one this one her vocals are definitely you can tell when someone different is singing between her and Susie. you know the jennifer's vocals are much more i want to say monotone maybe i don't know just more more of like uh less screaming more like down down tuned a bit and one more thing is one of those songs that is just slower it slows the pace down a bit and i but i love the groove i love the grooviness of it it's got a groove to it and i mean i think i like jennifer's vocals maybe not more than Susie's because Susie's Susie's more of a punk like in your face like screamer and jennifer sounds like she's got a little bit more of a like a traditional vocal quality maybe a bit more i don't know just she's singing a bit differently actually singing maybe is the right word Um, rather than sneering (laughs) rather than sneering exactly but it has sort of a i don't know it has a again it has a another not again this is the first song i think that has more of a blues sound but it's got like a punk blues sound in a way which i really like so it's a different song from other ones yeah it's definitely a different song and this was one when i first heard it i actually didn't like it um immediately because because it's slow i like the the intro is strong with the drums and the guitar um but yeah i think on on repeated listenings i mean i I knew it before but on repeated listenings then i i did like it and because i think of this podcast i went and paid attention to the lyrics a bit more and I really like it because it's it's basically like a list of complaints. Uh, one more thing holding you back. Um, and uh, yeah, I 
I, you can really feel like the how pissed off they are in this one how how annoyed they are of, of, of what's going on and yeah I really I really enjoyed that Fran? yeah this was my second least favorite one yeah um it, it is slower it's, it's rougher she wasn't uh, much of a bass player but they hired her because she had the best attitude so he said I will make up with the attitude compared to my bass skills and I guess this is her second album so I guess you're still you know learning whilst you're at this stage but I think like by like the 90s I think they're all pretty decent players um, I mean, for a band who like and people remember for being, you know, ramshackle and getting drunk and you know, whatever, they can play. Like, you know, absolutely. Like, it's not. It's not like Sid Vicious, for example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. they're, they're, they're players, and I guess if you've been in a band for you know five years playing constantly, then you, you're going to become good. So yeah, I think it is. It is what it is. <laughs> well, I, I thought since Jennifer was the main vocalist here, it'd, it'd be a different <laughs> opinion on it, but I guess not. I guess. I think, like, yes, in the ten songs, I think I like three vocals. But as, you know, for some people, like, I like, it's, I find vocals hard to ignore. Unfortunately, it's like, mm-hmm. I was like in the UK, everyone likes idols. I just, I can't get past the vocals. It's like, I don't like shouty vocals, unfortunately. And this band. Whereas I yeah. had not even realised that there were different people singing. Yeah. Until until this episode, vocals, I I vocals and actually the vocal melody line. Is, is very often the last thing that comes to me. You know, like when you go and do karaoke, for example, mm. and you're like, I know this song. And then you're like, oh no, no, I really, I don't know the vocal melody. That happens to me all the time because it's like, oh, I'm listening to the bass or I'm listening to the guitar. It kind of goes, I think like, yeah, bass, guitar, drums, vocals for me in, uh, oh, no, sorry, vocals, drums in also, the order that I hear. I think also because in the documentary, they keep saying, hi, I'm Susie, I play guitar and vocals. And, go, and, and, and then in the studio, they keep overtracking each other, so it might be hard to, to to know because they do sing like at the same time quite often. So it's hard to work out who is that's the lead focus. I think on some of the courses. We're back to the album "Hungry for Stink." Here was stuck here again, and and this album was very different. I think from a lot of their other stuff, it it did slow things down, make it a little bit grimier and even more sludgy, and I love that. So this song has a really cool psychedelic guitar going at the beginning and not really as punk or heavy, but it shows they had range. I think more, I think this one you could almost say is more of a, just a generic alternative rock song in in some ways, at least that's how I felt. But again, this, this song has some, what you could interpret for me at least is some bluesy influence in it, which is interesting because I mean, punk doesn't, you don't really think of punk and blues going together, but I found like this song had some of that in it, which I thought was really cool. So Hungry for Stink, I think is probably my last, the last album they did that I really enjoy, but it was a very different album from their other two. And this song I think is uh, an example of that. So interesting what you're saying, because I've actually got quite different notes for this one. So I agree with you on the, I call it swirly guitar, because I'm a very technical woman. To me, <laughs> if you take out the voice and the solos, it sounds like Fran's favorite term, Britpop. I thought this could have been a Blur song or an Ash song. Uh, that's that's totally the vibe that, that I got from it. I think maybe also because the bass is a bit more independent here because, yeah, as I said, like what's annoying with L7 actually, it's like you have the space, but you keep playing exactly the same thing as the guitar. 
here it's a little bit different and yeah i i really like it and i like the lyrics once again very feminist lyrics uh i hadn't realized um until i kind of Sorry, they're, t- they're talking about periods, Ryan. We've talked about this before with, with BJ have, Harvey. But right. yeah, I, here comes that familiar pain again. I'm low down, I'm feeling ill. Yeah, yeah, I'm stuck here again. And that's one of the many uh, grievances that, that she's experiencing. And 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 yeah, it's it's great. I read that they're going for a Chrissy Hines vibe for this song. Wow, okay. <laughs> but it's a bit more from Chrissy Hines. Um, and once I hear that, I go, oh, okay, I, I guess. Like, I guess maybe, you know, Chrissy Hines on... Like speed or something, maybe a bit more than that normal one. Yeah, it's, I can't hear Britpop. I have to listen back to that again. Mm. But, but, you know, you said Ash, didn't you? And Ash one of the harder of the Britpop Yeah, bands, like Char- Charlotte Hatherley, Ash, oh, okay. is, is what it reminded me of. Because I, I, I don't know if you, if you know Ash, Ryan. Um, Not really familiar. So they're, they're a Northern Irish band who started, I think, when they were teenagers, right, Fran? Like they yeah. were 16, 17 and got pretty big pretty quickly and they they do mesh like very melodic sounds with very hard guitars sometimes like their sound does does influence and change but yeah they they were a three-piece there were three guys and then for two albums two three Three, two albums three three. albums yeah they they had a guitarist called charlotte hathaway to kind of yeah um kind of have a bit more of a an interplay between rhythm rhythm guitar and um, lead guitar and uh, and yeah I think it, 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 it like I wasn't thinking of that I was like am I thinking of that because it's a female guitar player oh god no no but I think it is because it's that that mix of the of the riffs and the and the pop but yeah I, go back and listen I, to it I think um you know the second album Nuclear Sounds mm-hmm. yeah this could be similar to that yeah. like that's more and she, a, she's also on it yeah that's so. the first album she's on one that yeah so yeah, yeah. Like maybe there is a an influence we haven't thought of. Isn't it? Ryan, I will send you some songs afterwards to see if you agree. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I I do think they they are influenced by and have influenced so many different types of bands. Like when when you said that it was a more difficult playlist to set to to create because it sounds very similar. I kind of agree and disagree because I I think yes that there is an L seven sound, but there are definitely songs that deviate from that and and that's one of them the next song i picked was diet pill this is one of my favorites and i just love how heavy the guitars are anytime Mm -hmm. when l7 gets grungy and and grimy that's when i love them uh the most and i just I, i like the vocals on it and i don't i think if i interpreted this correctly i think it's about removing bloodstains because she murdered her abusive husband like that's oh. she murdered her husband really? oh i didn't i didn't get happened? that okay i'm gonna... like i'm i'm a kind of like i don't know some of these songs i was like reading through them and I'm like i think this is what it is but oh, i think you're right i think you're right because it's like the diet pills wearing off the frying pan is red but i saw that as like i'm sick of it I didn't see that as yeah. in like it could physically be covered in blood. I think she bludgeoned wow. her husband to death because does it also mentions her like something to do with her face or something. It almost like sounds like she was hit by him or smacked yeah, by the, him. Yeah, and... the swelling is going down. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Wow. sounds like he smacked her and she took a frying pan and beat him to death. Wow. So. That's um, so interesting. I mean, wonder why they're not commercially big. 
<laughs> well, that is a good question, isn't it? Um, Listen, throwing tampons it. at people, yeah. um, be killing their husbands and music. Uh, yeah, they should have been. Nick Nick there. Cave did a whole fucking album called Murder Ballads. Okay, that like if, if if he's famous for that, they can definitely be famous for this. Yeah, that's true. I I think because it's called Diet Pill and. I actually hadn't realized how it sounds. The song starts with the sound of a pill dissolving in water, which I hadn't noticed and I adored. I thought it was about society's expectations on women. So I I thought it was about like, right, my diet pill is wearing off because I've been on a diet pill because I'm too fat, according to society. It's wearing off. Right. Fuck it. Actually, I'm going to take the kids. We're going to leave town and I'm going to escape from the shackles of that expectation. I did. I saw no husbands or or anything else, but I think you might be right there, uh, Ryan. It, it, it could be about that. Um, yes, I totally agree with you on the the, the grimy, um, grimy, grungy, sludgy. It's difficult words to say. They're all, they're all different. They're all they're, three they're different. All, they're the all way. different, but they they're all in in this song. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. The, the, the heaviness of the guitars is really good. It's um, one of the most sim- simpler songs, I think. The riff is quite simple. It's quite, um, I think it has gone for like four and a half minutes. Can maybe have cut it back a little bit. Yeah, it did, didn't stand out for me, unfortunately. Um, Where do you stand on the murder, not murder? murder. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even, I didn't even hear, hear the lyrics that, that much. I, I, I tried to like, with Pole Jam, for example, it's very easy to find out what your song is about. And then I tried, I literally was like Googling as many songs as I, as I could for this band. And it's like, apart from Andre, which we all found out, there was no one saying what the song was about, unfortunately. And it's like, it's impossible sometimes to read song lyrics and like, you know, guess. And as we've done previously, we've all had different opinions on what the song's about. So. <laughs> yeah, well, this one, the lyrics here, because Victor's in the bed, sewn in the sheets with thread, the twins are in the car, the frying pan is red. I just kind of felt like Victor is, she wrapped him up in sheets and tied it together. You know, how she's trying to hide this body. I mean, that's kind of how I, no, I think uh, you're right. interpreted that. But yeah. I think you're right because I remember looking at the lyrics and seeing the sewn into the sheets and I was like, okay, the sewn into the sheets, that doesn't, the only thing I could think of is like, oh, are you depressed? And because you're depressed, you're sewn to the sheets because you can't get out of bed. But now it's changed and you want to leave town. But uh, yeah, I think I think your interpretation might be right. So yeah, maybe again, not as simple as we as we thought. <laughs> maybe not. And that brings us to the final one, which is right on through. And I don't know why. I, I honestly don't know why I picked this last, but when listening to it more i think like it it's kind of interesting because right on through i think describes the band in a way like in terms of how fast this playlist probably go i mean like 10 songs in 30 minutes is pretty quick um not as quick as the ramones but pretty quick uh and so i think like that's kind of i mean the title of it kind of fits with i guess the playlist in a way but I mean, I think it's got a good groove to it, and it's it's very. I, I think the guitar has a groove element to it that is not present in some of their other songs. I don't know. It's just to me, I liked the guitar a lot on this track specifically, and I, don't, I have no clue what it's about. I didn't really get that far on this one, but I just <laughs> this is one of those songs that I was like, I really like it. I don't know why. 
but I really like it. It has um, a good sound to it that I can just nod my head to. And when I listen to Smell the Magic, this is one that stood out to me, at least when I first heard that album. So I yeah. had to put it on. So. I, I, I have to go back to what I said at the beginning of I'm like, I'm going to go and listen to Smell the Magic immediately because I, I really clicked with the songs that you put on here and I didn't know any of them. Yeah, this one, I I wrote, before we had this conversation, I wrote pure unadulterated rock and roll, one to show to people who say that girls can't rock because that's exactly what they're doing. Starts with the bass, love the way it builds. I I, I think it's fantastic. And, um, and yeah, if you're telling me that all of Smell the Magic is like this, amazing. I'm going to check it out. Um, the lyrics, so I interpreted it as about being poor because it says you built your house made out of lead keeps up those things that you dread uh i think that she talks about pigeon shit seeping through uh the windows on her 455 are broken so i'm like is it about kind of you know despite that all we're still making art we're still rocking out is it yeah just about having a difficult life i, I don't know fran what, what did you think <laughs> it, it was fine this album's like really short isn't it? it's like nine songs it's like 29 minutes long it's really in and out as fast as possible my question have you heard the Debra album before the l7 no. 1988 uh y- yes i have is that even darker than this because that would be newer to a punk sound i guess yes that's yeah. definitely more raw underproduced very punk yeah yeah is it better or I think it's, I mean, I, I think this is better. I think this starts to, I think Smell the Magic is when they started to get more, like a little bit more of that 90s rock in there and that grungy rock in there. Um, so I I think that Smell the Magic definitely sounds better. But L7, if you're looking for a more harsher kind of punk sound, I think that that would um, be the one to go to. Yeah, they need to put two tracks from the debut on her top 10 songs, even to this day. So I was curious to know, you know, are we missing out on something? Or is that just her being, you know, precious because they're the first songs you wrote, maybe? Well, I think L7 is a good, I mean, the album is good. It's just, I I don't know, sometimes the debut of an artist can always be a little bit too just raw for me. Like, it depends on the album. Like, if I go back to, I don't know, some of, like, Soundgarden's earliest stuff, it's too, like, I like ultra mega okay and they have some good stuff on there but it's it's not quite the sound garden that i knew um mm-hmm. by the time of like bad motor finger and stuff like that so i think l7 similar in that way their debut has good songs on it but nothing stands out quite like uh bricks are heavy or smell the magic for me but, but interesting because yeah. i'm immediately on board i'm like harsher sound bring it on um but uh harsher but, yeah. but but like i like harsh but not like when like for example the genre black metal where the black metal artists were like it's got to sound like shit and that's the best way it sounds and it's like no like (laughs) give me that overproduce stuff like because sometimes the they're like recording on like really shitty equipment on purpose just to make it sound shitty and like that i don't really like that not saying l7 did that but sometimes i do sometimes i i quite like lo-fi but i mean i don't i don't know if i would for l7 because again yeah especially if you if you're used to um especially bricks are heavy 
it's going to sound completely different. Okay, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. I'll need to go and listen. And, and, I guess uh, it's like Bleach and Nevermind, isn't it, really? Yes. <laughs> bleach, though. I, see, I don't know. It's weird. Bleach I is love my favorite. Bleach. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. Bleach. Yeah, me too. I think, uh, like, I, I do I do love In Utero and, um, and Nevermind as well. And, uh, yeah, there's this music group called 20 of the Best where uh, you... Like you have to pick your 20 favorite songs of, of a band. Uh, and I, I went and put a ton of stuff from Bleach and I was like, please let there be other people who, who like this because I wasn't sure. And yet they are there, but yeah, I think it, it gets overlooked. But yeah, so I, I wondered if it would be that. But I mean, but Bleach still sounds tight, I would say. Like it still rocks out in a way that, yeah, it wouldn't if it was recorded on, like you say, shitty equipment. But I think that um, L7 would be a decent live band. And I think, mm. you know, when you're watching them again on the documentary, they do seem to be fantastic live. And they had like, you know, people coming on to breathe fire. And like, this seems like a, that's a fucking wow. party. It's a, that's a fucking party. Like everyone's just literally jumping on stage, jumping. And like, they seem to have a good time. And yeah, I think a lot of these tracks would be better in the live arena. I think rather than me sat at home listening to them in my bedroom. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like I, I can, I can believe it, and yeah, I hadn't heard about the documentary "Pretend We're Dead" until I started doing the research, um, and I absolutely have added it to my list to to watch. And because uh, yeah, yeah Fran, it sounds like it's gotta worth watch it. that, gotta yeah. watch that as well. Yeah. In 1990, they're literally going through like, uh, is it is it um, Spin magazine? And every page is someone they used to hang out with, so it's like. And you see how angry they were. Like, just turning their pace, going, oh, here we go. Here's my best mate. Here's my best mate. Here's my best mate. And we're, like, in a hotel room, four sleeping in the bed. And also, I've got a feeling they don't like Courtney Love. And I wonder if Courtney Love got her singing style from L7 as well. I would imagine. Yeah, because, I mean, I, f- I mean, L7 had to be such a big influence on women in the, mm. in, like, women in the grunge movement, the punk movement, just women in rock in general who were, who came after. Cause I think like, even though they weren't commercial, at least like they inspired so many artists. So I can't, I can only mm. guess, but I would, I would, yeah, I would say probably so. Again, same with, Hole. Yeah. I still remember there's like, Oh, you know, a band from grunge era, L7 right. overlooked. Yeah. yeah, which is why we come to the question of are L7 underrated, Fran? Uh, okay, again, like I said, I'm very happy this came along because, you know, for the past 20 years, L7 were the band on the word. They were that shock band I once remembered from the 90s. And it's interesting. Yeah, how old were you when you like? Was that you like your I was first? 12, but... Because you forget when you're 12 years old and you can watch a naughty program after after 11. Of course you're going to fucking watch it. Yeah, like and you weren't you weren't expecting we had, to see anyone's funny that evening. Four channels, guys. Four channels. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, so yeah, I, so it's nice I can now put you know songs to the actual name L7. Yeah. And yeah, I mean I think pretend they're dead i think is their best track shock horror um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I really feel a bit sorry for them because when you watch them like they basically broke up because they ran out of money and like jennifer had mm. to get had to go to college because she couldn't pay her bills like they love music but it's a sad them seeing all their contemporaries becoming millionaires and they're just slowly getting you know they get saying in interviews yeah we sold the same as last time so we've got loyal fans 
Um, no one else wants to listen to us. And then, you know, when they try to do their own label, and I think that um, the distribution company for their, their, um, their own produced um, album went bankrupt. And uh, they said to them, oh, do you want to buy your record back? And L7 oh, could, couldn't gosh. afford it. So all the records just went into like a pile. Oh, that's awful. And I can't oh. find the album on Amazon. So I don't know if that sank. Wow. So yeah, it's quite depressing at the end. But yeah. it's nice to know that in 2013, they then discovered they had a fan base still and they can now manage to tour and they're now back together. So, you know, I mm-hmm. guess it's it's got a happy ending. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I absolutely a thousand percent think they're they're underrated. Uh, I was really happy, Ryan, when you when you picked this as your underrated because I was like, oh yes, and, you know, have the time to go and and research them a bit more and and listen to them a little bit more. I I had no idea about that background. Yeah, I just presumed like with so many other female bands, you know, it it's like they were in the history, but they very often get written out. Even sometimes when they they are successful, very it just happens. I think. People don't realize the biases that they have. Um, I, I'm thinking of the slits when there was a, I think there was a punk exhibition and she went and then wrote in all the <laughs> the names of the kind of female bands who who had influenced that just weren't mentioned, kind of written out. And that's what I presumed had, had happened to L7 or, or the, because of the scandal that I knew from, from living in the UK, like that's, that's all they were known for and that's it. So yeah, thank you very much, Ryan, because yeah, my, my love is enhanced and um, I definitely want to go and check out the, the earlier stuff at least. Thank you, Ryan. Great. Yeah, thank you. My favourite scene in the documentary, I won't mention it anymore, is when they're recording, um, um, is it Hunger the Stink? Is that, what's it called again? Hungry for Hungry Stink. For Hungry for Stink, stink yeah. and the Motley Crew are in the same studio and they invite him in to see them record. And obviously being Motley Crew, they have to have naked girl pictures all around the studio. <laughs> right, so then right. L7 get their runner to go and buy every single gay porn mag so they can put dicks <laughs> all around the studio <laughs> and then invite Motley Crew in. That's <laughs> <See, laughs> <laughs> yes. oh, great. Man. they're amazing <laughs> okay everyone like i think more than any other underrated band we've covered fucking go and check them out chuck them some money um because yeah they yes. they deserve it but yeah absolutely thank you so much ryan for for coming in and and putting up with us uh <laughs> criticizing pearl jam i hope you have had a good time and yeah i'd really like you to talk about your fantastic podcast again and, and where you can find it yeah i had a great time so thanks again for having me and yes you can find the broken record player podcast on pretty much anywhere you get podcasts spotify apple google stitcher you can also go to the website at www.thebrokenrecordplayerpodcast.squarespace.com and you can listen to all the episodes there and read blogs things i've written i wrote a a tribute piece about peter Steele, the lead singer of typo negative um on his 11th year anniversary of his passing and also wrote a little thing about prince on his five-year uh passing so you can read those on the on the website and i'm going to add more so yeah stay tuned and more record giveaways will be coming so stay tuned for that record giveaways good podcast nice pictures you really can't ask for anything more so thank you so much ryan thank you very much ryan nice to meet you thank you (laughs) 
And that's the end of our two-part grunge episode. What did you think? Did you agree more with Ryan, Babs, or Fran? Let us know. You can get in touch with us. Follow us on Twitter at OUMusicPod. Follow us on Instagram, over underrated music pod, or you can even email us over underrated music pod at gmail.com. I'm going to head out and rock out a little bit more to smell seven and see you next week for the final episode of the season. Baby.